going to start out by smiling. When I was at radio broadcasting school, the uh, one of the teachers said, when you turn that microphone on, smile. So people can hear the happiness in your voice. Hey, it's me, the real John Baker. You're listening to my podcast, my weekly podcast called Too Lazy to Write. Uh, available on iTunes, on Google Play, and uh, on cassette. You know, if you really like it, I'll uh, I'll whip you off a cassette and mail it to you. And then you could listen to it on your Walkman or in your car if you still have a, a cassette player. It's funny, actually, I walked by a car the other day. Uh, it was like an old Cadillac, and it had like a soft top roof, or I guess it was like two-toned. It had like a soft... And it doesn't fucking matter. But uh, as it drove by me, I thought, I bet you that has a tape deck in it. Um, I have like hundreds of, uh, of old cassettes and, um, and they are just sitting in my garage. I have nothing to play them on. I tried my Walkman and that didn't work. I tried an old uh, stereo that my wife had. That didn't work. It was like one of those module, you know, that like all in one. You had like the two cassette players and the detachable speakers, and uh, and um, the radio and a five changer CD player. That shit, man. That thing had everything. And you'd make a, a nice mixtape, and uh, you'd pop it in, and you'd get, you know, you'd get romantic. I actually. Um, the movie High Fidelity, uh, the book more specifically than the movie, the book really gets into the details of the of the mixtape and uh, and um, sort of like the the skill and the artistry, if you will, that went into creating a mixtape. And there certainly was. I used to make mixtapes. I was really proud of them. I, I was. I thought I was really good at them. Uh, I would really seamlessly weave the songs and, you know, you'd start out at one tempo and you'd, you'd slowly move your way into the next. And, and as you know, depending on what you were trying to achieve, what, what message you were trying to send to the person you were making the tape for, it had to be very thoughtful, um, you know, sometimes I'd throw in fillers because there was this album, uh, these albums that came out that were called, um, TV's Greatest Hits, I think. It was like a whole compilation of, of uh, TV show themes. You weren't able to get them anywhere before they put them on this album. And it was phenomenal. And they were great because they were 30 seconds or 60 seconds long. And you can just, boom, throw it in, uh, you know, uh, to, to fill some time and kind of lighten the mood or change the focus of the whole mixtape if you if you so chose to, uh, to do that. Um, a lot of mixtapes. I made a lot of fucking mixtapes in my in my life, in my day, in the day, back in the day, as they say. And um, sometimes, you know, you you trade them off with people. I'll make you a mixtape for uh, for Christmas. Uh, you make me a mixtape, and you get to see or hear what other people's uh, musical tastes were. And and then I had a friend because uh, I would just name them. You know, you'd give them like uh, you know we. I I would give them weird names. You know whatever you felt like giving them. And, uh, and he actually, his name's Tom, perhaps he's listening. He gave me a mixtape. I actually, I think I posted a picture of it on Facebook and sent it to him, but Tom made me a mixtape once. And on the cover, he, he cut out like, um, he, he taped, I think it was the, uh, green giant, uh, corn 
or beans, I can't remember, but the label, and he used that, put that on the cassette uh, cover, and then that got me started on making my own cassette covers. You'd find a funny little picture, and you'd get a little exacto out and cut it, and then you could write the the tracks on the inside. I have no idea where this just came from, this whole bit about uh, mixtapes, but man, they were they were great. I remember making one once for my friend, and uh, as I was listening to it afterwards, I realized it was just a fuck tape. Like, it was perfect for him if he wanted to get romantic, or maybe I secretly wanted to get romantic with him. But that was a long time ago. Uh, we never did uh, hook up, him and I. Um, yeah, that took a turn. So... <laughs> And what's, so yeah, mixtapes, I don't know where that came from. I, <clears throat> I could probably do a whole, you know, another 15 minutes just looking at an old one and, and rifling off why I thought that was, you know, a good choice. I had one I was really, really proud of, um, and I lost it and that was upsetting cause that was really good. And I also, I like to make them too, um, you know, before you'd go on a vacation, you couldn't bring all your cassettes with you cause you know, where would you put them in that little hard plastic cassette uh, case, uh, or would you just make a mix, you know, two or three mixes with all your favorite songs on them? It was time consuming, but it was a good use of your time because you would just sit alone in your room playing music over and over again and, you know, hoping, hoping that you didn't get too many clicks between the songs, you know, did you hit pause after the song or did you hit stop? Stop would probably give you a, a higher, louder click than pause. Um, and what happened if you were making the, the mix and the, and the and it just ran out? Or what if there was a skip? Oh, that was the worst. If you recorded an album onto a cassette and there was a skip in the song, in any of the songs, the more every... So um, you'll you always got used to hearing the song with a skip in it. And even to this day, I'm sure there are some songs that, uh, that I'll hear and expect the skip to, to, uh, happen. Doesn't though. Then of course, you know, you'd start playing it on your Walkman and your batteries would run out and, uh, and the batteries would run out and then you'd have to stop. So then you started rewinding your, your cassettes with a pencil. Cause that was a good way to save your batteries. Cause you know, that was a, pain in the ass to, uh, pain in the ass way to lose battery power. But there was a certain satisfaction when you were, um, rewinding the cassette and it started to go real fast cause it was right near the end. And then boom, it was done. Mixtapes. That was a huge part of the eighties and the nineties. Nineties. It was easier though. Cause you had uh, cassettes or you had, sorry, you had CDs you didn't have to worry about finding the track. And then, of course, Napster came along and you were able to make your own CDs. Uh, and then with the advent of the iPhone and, you know, the touch, the nano, the whatever, you just started making play. Now they're called playlists, but now they're also called mixtapes or mix whatever, because, you know, the the youth of today want to want to uh, appropriate my youth that's what they're doing. They're fucking youthful appropriators, taking my youth and applying my hard work to their like fucking 
easiest you make a i'm gonna make you a, a playlist and then you just look at you know the songs you're like check 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 shuffle boom done it's the worst you can make a playlist now while sitting at a traffic light um yeah kids today making their playlists in seconds it's a it's ugh, there's no art to it it was a it was a it was a beautiful thing to come up with the name and and uh, and and oh, it was just that's a buy. It's a you know what? It's like butter churning. It is, it is a a bygone a craft from a bygone era. You know when was the last time you had homemade churned butter? Probably uh, probably not for a long time. Probably never. I would say. I don't think I've ever had uh, churned butter. Butter. My wife really pronunciates, pronunci- <laughs> she really enunciates her T's. So like if I was to say like, oh, that smells rotten, she would say, oh, that smells rotten, rotten. It's very rotty. It's a rotty, rotty asparagus. Um, one of the reasons I love her because she pronounces her, uh, oh, she over enunciates her, her T's. Um, and she doesn't say P. <laughs> Like, oh, I have to pee. She'll say, <laughs> pee pee. <laughs> like, she's got to have the extra pee. <laughs> ah, she's cracking me up and she doesn't even know it. <laughs> Did you have to make a pee pee? That's what she'd say to our kids when they were younger. Do you have to make a pee pee? <laughs> I am killing myself here. I have to say, a huge thank you. I can't believe it's taken me nine minutes and 44 seconds to get to this, but I have to give a huge, huge thank you to Ruth Rakoff, who uh, was my second guest. I spoke to her uh, in, from her home in Toronto, and we talked about um, we talked about her book. We talked about her brothers. We talked about summer camp. That was the centerpiece of the whole conversation was Camp Gesher, summer of 82, the viral encephalitis that took over the camp. And I think, (laughs) I think I said 60% of the camp was sick. It was like 30 people, but you know, I was a kid at the time, so it seemed like a lot more. Um, but she's fantastic. And it, it, it sparked like a whole bunch of of uh, conversation on my Facebook page on uh, on my uh, like my personal John Baker Facebook page, people from that summer who who I'm still friends with, who I don't even know as well because I tagged Ruth in it so her friends could see it. They were chatting about it. Uh, there was fights. You know, I like to I like to be that guy who you know like I lob, I throw the rock, and then I run away. I don't want to get involved in your fight. Uh, I don't want to be a a moderator, a mediator, a facilitator. I guess I'd be a facilitator if it's on my page. But um, she was so super to talk to. And even though the connection wasn't great, it was just wonderful to chat with her. And uh, and great because a lot of people were talking about it. And then for my next interview, it's already in the can. That's what they say in, uh, in radio. It's in the can. That could also mean it's in your ass. <laughs> I'm killing myself today. Um, so my next interview is with my good friend, my dear old friend, Paul Harris. 
in one of my intros to it a few weeks ago, I said, Paul is living in London. And then I said, I actually don't know where he's living in, in the United Kingdom. Turns out he's living in Wales. And, uh, and Paul and I caught up uh, on a rainy afternoon for him in Wales. He was in his car. And we had a great chat. And that's going to be next week's show. Um, I got to edit it and there ain't going to be much editing because uh, we just had a super, super talk. Um, my one regret is that Paul does an imitation. If he's listening to this, uh, he did an imitation of a man who we knew back on the kibbutz who had five children. I don't want to say his name. And Paul did such a great, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. It was like spot on. And, uh, and I didn't ask him to do it. Ah, which is okay. But then at the end of it, he, he, so we did the interview, we chatted about 45 minutes maybe. Um, and the computer crashed a few times, which I'm going to have to address in a second. I'll talk about that. Uh, but the, uh, the interview ended and then I got a voice message from him, uh, where he apologized for a few things. So I'm going to throw that. I hope it works. I saved it to my desktop in the hopes that I could just drag it into this sound file and add it on to the end of the uh, the end of the interview because it was it was spectacular to talk to him. He's such a great guy, um, and whether you know him or not, just enjoy our conversation. We're just two old friends chatting and catching up, uh, which is the whole purpose of this um, podcast. I've I've actually reached out to John Candy's daughter um, because uh, how great would that be? You know, I want to know what she's up to. Of course, I'd have to talk to her about her late father, who was, you know, um, somebody once said, it was shortly after he died, uh, somebody once said that whether you knew it or not, you had a favorite John Candy movie. And let that sit for a second. That's it, because you don't want to give too much dead air. So, um <laughs> So whether you knew it or not, everybody had a favorite John Candy movie. It's pretty easy to say that, you know, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is is absolutely top of the list for a lot of people. Uncle Buck is uh, is underneath it, you know, close, close second probably. But, like, even the little roles he did, uh, you know, Ox in, uh, in Stripes, uh, what was it? He eats a lot of... <laughs> his aggression and cheeseburgers too, or some line like that. I can't remember. And, uh, the brother Freddie in splash, that fucking squash scene between, <laughs> between him and Tom Hanks. And he gets hit in the head by, the <laughs> he gets hit in the head by the squash ball. Is that what it's called? A squash ball. And he hits the floor and he's wearing that like velour purple, uh, track suit. And he's holding a beer and he's of course all, proud of himself he pulls up at the beginning in this trans am um because his letter got published in penthouse and he's given those out and freddie you brought a date to your own wedding um there's that and of course uh ordering uh f four orange whips at uh in the blues brothers and was it this car five five we're in a truck <laughs> Sorry, sir, park's closed. The moose out front should have told you. I know I'm getting some of these lines wrong, but uh, this is classic candy, man. He was he was the best. And by all accounts, a great guy. And, you know, he owned the Argos for a couple of years. So if you were a fan of Canadian football, and I guess it was probably the early 90s, 
him, Gretzky, and Bruce McNall owned the Toronto Argonauts, as you remember. And uh, Candy made it like his his mission to go to like every Argos game, home or away. So you'd go to a game. I remember going to a game uh, at Lansdowne Park in Ottawa. And there he was, waving to the fans on the sidelines. Um, just a super guy. Anyway, it was, you know, a tragedy when he passed away. I remember driving home from Montreal with my mom. And uh, we were listening to As It Happens on the CBC. And, uh, yeah, breaking news, John Candy had passed away in Mexico. And right away they had Eugene Levy on, which was shocking to me that they were getting, they got him, like, so quickly. But, um and I think that was, uh, maybe it was Eugene Levy in that interview who said, whether you knew it or not, you had a favorite John Candy movie. I mean, there were a ton of duds, I think. Well, not a ton, but there were some, you know, some some ones. I saw, I remember seeing Who's Harry Crumb. That was good, though. Made me laugh. Oh, you know why I really like that, too, though? It had, yeah, it had Shawnee Smith in it. Oh, man, I had such a huge, I probably still do. Huge, huge crush on uh, on Shawnee Smith. Um, she was to film what Crystal Bernard was to television, uh, for me at least. And uh, yeah, Shawnee Smith. She played the, the anyway. Wow, that's a this is we've been like zigzagging and I don't know. We're trying to get to from A to Z, but we're like jumping around. I don't know. I I have no theme. I know. No uh, thought process for tonight's tonight today's uh, podcast. I did um, I, I did have a th- thought actually earlier. My friend Dan had written on my uh, on the website toolazytowrite.com. There's a space there where you can contact me, and, and Dan said that he thought uh, my last one where I was talking about that story of uh, of hockey arena music. He he thought it was a profane. Vinyl Cafe, and I want to put that quote up, I think, on the website, because it really, wow, a profane, you know what, I would uh, I would love to hear that. Um, I was never a huge fan of the Vinyl Cafe on CBC Radio with the late Stuart McLean. Why? I'm only talking about dead Canadians today. Donnelly Rhodes, another dead Canadian who played Dutch on Soap. You might remember him from Da Vinci's Inquest. Or from Danger Bay, but I remember him as Chester Tate's cellmate in Soap. And then I think he fell in love with Eunice. Don't remember what happened to him on the show, though. But that's how I remember. Hello, what am I talking about Donnelly Rhodes for? Um, but <laughs> but uh, oh, I got an email. But. Um, yeah, he, what he called it a profane uh, vinyl cafe. It got me thinking to everything I hated about the vinyl cafe. I never really listened to it. I listened to it like once or twice. But like it's always the same shit. And he'd be in a studio in front of a live audience in some theater that would hold three to 350 people. And he would just ramble and ramble on about... Like, I didn't get it. I just never understood. Oh... I remember, I don't think he talked like that, but it was more of like a kind of, it was like a Canadian drawl. It was like, growing up, no, how did it go? It was like, growing up in Smith, I remember, 
I was friends with a fella by the name of Orville Francis. Everybody knew Orville because he was the town pedophile. Now, pedophile was a strong word to call Orville, so some of us kids just called him a kid toucher. But that's neither here nor there. It has really little to do with the story I'm about to tell you today on the vinyl, on the profane vinyl cafe. <laughs> because Orville Francis, if I'm not mistaken, he and his wife Greta used to run the pawn shop in town. Now, the town was called Northbrook. A lot of people don't know where that is, but it's near one of Canada's most majestic provincial parks called Bon Echo Provincial Park, where one summer, my friend Travis and I got lost and discovered the joys of young boys in the wilderness alone with no parents. But again, that's neither here nor there about what we're talking about today. We were talking about Orville and Greta Francis, who had the pawn shop in Northbrook, Ontario. Now, when you'd go in there, Orville was always quick to offer a lollipop to the young boys, and Greta was quick to tell you to get the hell out of the store, you dirty, stinking Jew. Because she was also an anti-Semite. They didn't talk about that much in Northbrook, Ontario at the time because Northbrook was an all-white town and very seldom did they see people of color and or different religions. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Because Orwell and Greta Francis, why, they had a little dog. Now their dog, I believe if I'm not mistaken, his name, why, I think that Orwell Orville and Greta's dog's name was Fender. Wasn't named after the guitar company. It was named after the thing they used to tie him to in their front yard so he wouldn't run away. Name just kind of stuck. Much like Greta's... I was going to say something about her lips to the floor when she would do the splits. But that would take this in a whole other direction. And that's why I would never listen to the Vinyl Cafe. Because I didn't know what the hell it was about. So there's my, uh, there's my two minutes of uh, profanity on the Profane Vinyl Cafe. Um, and I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up today. I was going to, I could go on and on about music and, and whatnot. Oh, you know what? Before I go, that's actually a good point. Um, oh, geez. Okay, I stopped for a second to flip through my albums, uh, because, and then as I'm flipping through my albums, I came across an album, uh, by the jam, and I started singing the song Start. You remember that one? Do, 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 who I don't remember his name, but we were in broadcasting school and we were listening to him do his show. And he told some story that went on for far too long uh, during a break, much like this. And, uh, and then he ended by going into the next song by going, but anyway, here's Portishead. 
<laughs> so if ever anybody said, but anyway, I'm like, oh, but here's Portishead. But anyway, here's Portishead. T- this past week, um, oh, just a few days ago, marked the 34th anniversary of the release of Joe Jackson's Body and Soul album. I got it in my hand right here. Um, I remember when the Beatles, when Sgt. Pepper was 20 years old, and everybody was like, it was really, because it was, you know, the, the line, but people were like, 20 years old, man, can you believe that, 20 years old? This album's 34 years old. I've had this album in my possession for 34 years. Body and Soul, Joe Jackson. The cover is a homage to the um, Sonny Rollins album of the same name. Joe's album cover is in orange, where the Sonny Rollins album cover was in blue. Uh, but it's the same shadowing of the uh, of the light. It's the same shading, I should say. Uh, anyway, 34 years ago, Sam the Record Man um, used to do these tiny little po- postage stamp ads every Thursday in the newspaper, in the Ottawa Citizen Entertainment section. And they would advertise the album that was going to be on sale the upcoming Saturday for $4.99. And I remember seeing it, so this would be, uh, so like I said, the album came out in March, my bar mitzvah was in April, um, and then I, you know, you get money for your bar mitzvah, uh, a check for $18 was generous, a check for 36 was super generous, 72 unheard of, um, but uh, I, so I get the money, the, the, uh, ad comes out. I see that Joe Jackson's Body and Soul is is going to be on sale that Saturday for four ninety nine. Super excited because I'm a huge fan. Um, go to the mall with my mom that day. Her and my brother are across the hall in Big Steel Man, back of Fairweathers. If you remember how that was set up in Bayshore Mall, or I don't know if that was a thing right across the board, but Fairweathers was in the front. Big Steel Man was in the back. They had Daniel Hector. He was the uh, the designer of choice for Big Steel Man. They had a good jingle too. Man, let me tell you, I gotta tell you, it's tough to be a Big Steel Man. Fucking great store. Uh, I go across the road, flipping through, because the album was only on sale till noon, and then they would it would go back to regular price. It was afternoon. I was so bummed out. I missed the $4.99 uh, special. I was flipping through, flipping through, flipping through. Somebody had not... Uh, wiped off the four ninety nine price with uh, and replaced it, so I was able to buy it for four ninety nine. I got it, and um, tell you that was a good purchase. That really was worth the money. I've had it for like I said thirty four years. Anyway, you if you have not heard this album, it's been thirty four years. What's your damn story? But so the back of the album is laid out. The whole thing is laid out like you know a nineteen fifties sort of. Uh, feel to it and of course it's um, you, you pull it open and there's no um, notes there's no lyrics on the inside which was always the biggest bummer when you'd open up an album and because you wanted the lyrics there's no way of getting the the words you'd have to you know listen to them and transcribe them if you wanted to uh, which is why for the longest time I thought the line in Jay Giles band centerfold uh, I was shaking in my shoes whenever she flashed those baby blues I thought the line was, I was shaken in my shoes whenever she flashed those bigger boobs, which, I don't know, I thought it was artistic license. 
But the whole album, so the back, it's like it's got this really, it's centered beautifully, Body and Soul, Joe Jackson, and then underneath it, it lists everybody who who plays on it, Graham Maybe, Vinnie Zumo, Ed Roy Roy Gary Burke. Um, you got trumpets, you got sax, Tony Aiello, Ellen Foley and Elaine Castwell. They are vocals on it. Joe Jackson um, produced or uh, wrote it. It was produced by him too. But so I remember taking this album home uh, from Bayshore, got home, went up to my bedroom at the time, by the way, um, I had, did I have it then or not? I'm 13. I think I had a waterbed. I don't know if I was 13 or 14 when I got the waterbed. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, fucking, I was a big steel man and I had the fucking waterbed to prove it. And you had to put conditioner in that. You had to put algicide in that water or you were fucked. Uh, But I remember getting home, popping the album open, going up to my bedroom. I had just gotten this great stereo from about 35 families for my bar mitzvah. Um, and, uh, And I remember popping the album on and putting my big old realistic uh, brown headphones with a cord that, you know, was was like so thick, this damn cord. And I remember plugging it in, putting the headphones on, dropping the needle, and uh, it opens with the verdict. Side one is the verdict. And doom, bam, 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 Anyway, and it just, wow. Right away, it just took me to this whole other place. Uh, and then it goes from the verdict into Chacha Loco, which, you know, from the title, you can tell it has like a, a Latin feel to it. And then Not Here, Not Now, uh, the radio hit, You Can't Get What You Want. And then Side One ends with Go For It, which people have, you know, I'll read online, they shit all over Go For It. But that, when I was 13, 14 years old, if I needed to get pumped up for something, that was the song I was listening to. Because, I don't know, it just had like this uh, this Motown feel to it, this like upbeat horn and, and you know, just a, a, a really feel-good song. I don't know. And then uh, Side Two opens with Loiseda, which is this... Uh, instrumental, it's actually, I'm looking right at it. Side two opens with an instrumental overture, Loisida. The title is the Spanish transliteration of New York's Lower East Side. And I think actually, I remember Rolling Stone magazine, when they reviewed the album, they talked about how they list the guy who reviewed it, listened to uh, the album in his Walkman while, while like touring New York's Lower East Side. And he didn't like the track before, but then once he sort of put the track to the soundtrack of walking around and or driving around New York, it took on a whole different feel. And then happy ending, uh, which has the great line: "It's not so easy. It's ninety. It's eighty-four now." So it just really puts the perspective on you know when the album came out. Um, and then be my number two, which sounded a lot like breaking us in two, and I think Joe knew that and purposely. When he would tour, after that, would weave the two songs together. But Be My Number Two, I always wanted that to be my song with somebody. I don't know why, because the song itself is really kind of, you know, uh, won't you be my number two? Me and number one are through. <laughs> like, hey, why don't you be second best? 
but it's such a beautiful song. And it has the whole like big orchestral uh, ending to it, which I always, always wanted. I thought, man, he should tour with like, you know, an orchestra and just go from town to town and, and take his songs and orchestrate them. Cause fuck to hear be my number two, like that, that whole end where it just, you know, builds and builds and builds into that like crescendo. And then the, Oh, it's just amazing. And then the album ends with heart of ice, which is primarily, I would say it's like, you know, 85% instrumental. And we know from earlier how good my estimation of percentages are. I had 60% of a camp getting sick, which if they said was 150 people in the camp, that is, uh, well, 75 is 50%. So I've got at least 85 people out of 150 sick. Not the case. Not the case at all. Anyway, um, that is uh, my love letter, I guess, or my audio dissertation of it the whole liner notes it goes into like uh you know the the different types of recording that was done and and where it was recorded and i think some of it was done in like you know an old uh, uh i want to say warehouse but just like a huge room wooden floors with like mics hanging from the ceiling but it's just such a beautiful album um you should you should check it out. You know why not? Go go out and get. Oh fuck! It's so great. I could go on and on about albums. I want to do that one day because there's so many albums that just really um, grabbed me from when I was a kid. From through you know, um, one of them being Graceland. That's a whole other story I could get into for you know twenty minutes about where I was the first time I heard Graceland. It's mixed up in my mind though. Um, because I know the first time I saw Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes being performed and the first time I heard uh, Paul Simon sing Call Me Al, I seemed to think it was on Saturday Night Live and Whoopi Goldberg was the host. Um, but I was away in Vermont and that doesn't make any sense because I would only go away in Ver to Vermont in the summer with my family and, or maybe it was Maine, but either way, Saturday Night Live would not have premiered then, so I saw a rerun, which means I was a bit late on when it was released in terms of catching, whatever. The point is, it was magical. Magical, I say. Much like that story I told earlier about Orville and Greta Francis. Orville and Greta had a dog named Fender, and Fender would go through Northbrook just licking the rectum of... Well, any passed out man, woman, or child who happened to find their way to the ditch just on the other side of the Francis's field. That's a, that's a postscript to, uh, to my profane vinyl cafe. So Body and Soul would be one of the albums that I loved and could talk about ad nauseum. Uh, Graceland is another one that I could talk about ad nauseum. Uh, the other one I could talk about would be This is the Sea by the Waterboys. Um, and if you're looking for something to pick up, uh, Out of All This Blue, I think, is the new album by the Waterboys. It's a double album. It was recorded, a lot of it was recorded in Nashville, and it is a good fucking album. It's a great album. I, oh, wow, I really enjoy it. Um, I have actually two great stories. I spent... Um, when I volunteered for the Blues Festival in Ottawa, I uh, my last year there, 
Joe Jackson came and that was sort of like the one I was waiting for all those years. And he came and I spent the entire afternoon driving him around, chatting with him. It was, as I said to him, um, some people say the day you, you get married is the best day of your life. Others may argue it's the day your children are born, but I can tell you without a doubt today, sir, is the best day of my life. He was gracious, he was kind, he was uh, engaging, listened to me and all the shit talk that I told him about, um, you know, uh, that his song lyrics are written on my ketubah, true fact. Uh, <laughs> when I got him in the van originally, my phone rang and it was my wife and my ringtone was the opening uh, bars to One More Time, um, you know, opening track off of Look Sharp. So it's do 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 no that's I was gonna do take on me. <laughs> ah, you know how one more time goes. One more, tell me one more time as I hold your hair that you don't love me. Um, and he, I killed the phone right away because I didn't want, to, I couldn't talk to her. I was driving, and he said, "Is that your fucking ringtone?" And I said, "Yes, yes, <laughs> it is, yeah." <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I met him and, and spent the day with him and that was pretty cool. And then a few years earlier, I had spent some time with Mike Scott of the water boys. I got to hang out with him and, uh, I made a huge faux pas and I thought he was Irish, but he's actually Scottish. Um, I don't even know why I would think that. I mean, the name's Scott and he's Irish. No, he's Scottish and he doesn't matter, but, um, if you want to see a great video, actually, go onto YouTube and type in Hole of the Moon, um, and it'll come up. It's it's one Mike Scott, I guess the, al- the, the album had just come out, and he was at a school in um, Scotland, and might have even been his school growing up. It's a primary school, and he he sits down at the piano, and he's like sing along if you knew the words or whatever my shit accent is. <laughs> and, and he's, he just, as soon as he hits those opening chords of, uh, on the piano of, uh, of hole of the moon, the, the kids just go batshit crazy. And what's even better to watch is that some of the, uh, teachers also just go nuts. And then he starts singing, you know, the, I pictured a rainbow, um, and actually, when I met him, I said, you know, it's going to go down in history as one of the best songs ever written. It is such a beautiful song. And I know that my taste in music is very vanilla. You know, I know it's like just, it's all on the surface. I um, I just, I find beauty in a lot of these songs, you know, like it's such a, it's such a wonderful song, especially at the end uh when he's going off of, you know, flags, rags, ferry boats, senators and stars, every precious dream and vision underneath the stars. Well, you climbed on a ladder with the wind at your sails. You came like a comet blazing the trails. That's the fucking part right there. Too high. Um, you saw the whole of the moon. It's such a great song. Oh my God. The whole album. There's only one song on that whole album. I don't like the song. I like the lyrics. It's the songs be my enemy, but I don't like the the music. It's the weirdest thing. So, um, I'm going to end with that. I'm going to end uh, on a on a on a high talking about the Water Boys and the Hole of the Moon and the Pan Within 
and, uh, you know, uh, oh, we saw them. We took the kids to see them. And Jan and I were so hopeful that, that for whatever reason he would sing, uh, I think it's Glastonbury's song. And it was, and he did it. And it was like, wow, what are you doing? You're doing that one? Oh, that's fantastic. And it was, oh, I left early. I left because the kids were exhausted and we had to, to, we left and he, he did a cover of Purple Rain. It was, it was prior to Prince dying, but he did a beautiful, beautiful cover of Purple Rain. Um, but that, that was, yeah, that was some show. He, oh, what a great show. And he had a guy in his band, a bass player who was in his seventies. And the guy was one of the original bass players in Muscle Shoals. And I think when I mentioned Muscle Shoals a few weeks ago, I said Alabama. I'm pretty sure it's actually in Louisiana. I should probably check that out and get my, uh, my facts straight, but I've never been one for facts. You know, I just talk out of my ass pretty much. Uh, while I'm getting that, um, did you see that Don Jr. and uh, and um, his wife are getting a divorce? That's a real fucking shame. Oh, Alabama. It's in uh, Colbert County, Alabama. As of 2010 census, the population was estimated at 30,146. It's really not a fucking estimate. That's pretty exact. Oh, no, the population was estimated. doesn't matter. And right now it's a uh, sunny 69 degrees Fahrenheit with the winds coming in at 8 miles per hour. That was, I used to love that about, uh, about weather reports on the radio. It's, you know, 17 degrees outside and the wind coming in from the, who gives a shit? Are people like in cities concerned about the direction the wind's coming in for the, I guess, for the way their flag is supposed to grow. You know what, Blow, I'm not going to, I meant, I'm going to kill some of this. Um, So yeah, Muscle Shoals is in Alabama. And the guy played, he was original member of this, I think they were called the Swampers. And uh, he was one of the original members and great bass player. What a great show. The kids loved it. We left early. I don't like leaving early. But whatever. I'm hoping they go on tour this summer with another one of my favorite bands um, who uh, I met the guy from the lead singer of the Hot House Flowers. I just met him. He'd done a show and I walked by the backstage and he was there and I said to him, I don't even know what I said. And then I ended with by saying, God bless you, which was so strange and very out of character for me. But what a guy. If they, oh, if I know they're touring the three, uh, three water boys, um, hothouse flowers and van Morrison are all touring in, I think parts of Europe this summer. Like what a show that would be. If you've seen van Morrison, whatever it is, what it is. He gets out there, he sings for, you know, the contractually obligated amount of time. And then he gets the fuck out of there. But, um, the other two, you know, to, to, to know that these guys, Hotto's Flowers, have been singing the same songs, or a lot of them, for the past, you know, 30 years, uh, and they still sing it with the same joy that it appears as if they're singing it with the same joy that they did 30 years ago when they first, you know, released Don't Go. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch, and they actually uh, just put out a new album. I think it was available on their website uh, again, a great, great album. Um, so many amazing songs. Um, and you know, it's funny. I have a great memory of, of watching them on Saturday night live. Um, 
and they did uh, a, one of the best covers of I Can See Clearly Now. It is just so joyful when you watch them do it. Oh, you got to check that. If you could find that, or there's even current versions of it that they've done uh, recent. Current versions that they've done recently, because redundancy is something that I like to repeat on. Get it. Okay, so there you have it. I've been all over the place. I've been to the Dirty Vinyl Cafe, the Profane Vinyl Cafe, making mixtapes, talking about Body and Soul 34 years ago, talking about This is the Sea and People and Home and uh, just a shit ton of stuff. I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, coming up next week, uh, that'll be the week of spring break, leading into the <laughs> my big Passover show. Don't miss the Passover show. We'll be uh, answering more than four questions. Okay, some Jewish humor, some Passover humor. Um, uh, yeah, so so coming, so this is done, and then next week is going to be Paul Harris, and who knows who's coming up. I'm hoping that that John Candy's daughter Jennifer is going to answer my tweet, and uh, and it's gonna it's just gonna snowball and get huge and be the biggest fucking podcast this side of of cereal. Or some other podcast that's successful. Thank you for listening. TooLazyToWrite.com, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write, the dot, and the com. Or at the real John Baker on Twitter or on the website, you can contact me. And uh, I really thank you for listening. It really means a, a tremendous amount to me from my basement in Virginia on a uh, Friday afternoon. I really thank you for this. This has been one of the best parts of my day. I hope uh, wherever you are listening, you continue to have a a great day. And uh, thanks again. We'll talk soon. Bye now.